delivering all the news, the informed views, and just telling great motorsport stories since 2003. Powered by the Racetalk.com. This is On the Grid. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of On the Grid here on mypodcasthouse.com or on the Radio Show Limited's RS1. Thank you for joining us. A massive show tonight. We're joined by Will Davison, Mark Winterbottom, Nick Perkat, Richard Crowell, and Mark Walker. Now let's get straight into it. The supercars heading to Tasmania this weekend for round two of the championship in Launceston at Simmons Plains. Mark Winterbottom, who races in the Irwin Racing Commodore, has started at the track 43 times. Just Craig Lowndes and Jason Bright have started more races at Simmons Plains, albeit just one more at 44. What's more is that Winterbottom has finished all 43 races that he started in Tasmania. And from 43 starts, he's recorded 32 top 10 finishes and 23 top 5 finishes. Frosty says he loves the track. I love Tassie. I think Tassie's one of the best tracks that we go to. It's small, unique and all that sort of side. So personally, I go well there and I've really enjoyed it. So um, yeah, to rack up the numbers, I guess, at a track that I really enjoy is quite special. But um, yeah, I, I do love it. I think it's one of the best tracks it's close, it's competitive, and that qualifying lap, it's got you on the edge of the seat, probably the most out of all the calendar, given how tight it is. So, um, yeah, special place to rack up a big number. Um, oh, I've had yeah, really good finishing um, success rate, but obviously that comes down to mechanics too, because the car has to be reliable on that side. But I've been, you know, although it's a low-risk crashing track, I've seen some monster crashes there and escaped it. I remember, I think it was 2000. 15 or whatever it was around there where there was a half a field car pile up um, and I just escaped that so I wouldn't say getting that 100% finishing rate has been easy there's been very close calls along the way but um, reliable car smart driving and um, stay out of that gravel trap at the hairpin that's a, that can catch you out. Um, I think qualifying is crucial you know track position such a small lap um, you know five corners it's hard to nail the lap but um, but yeah, I've had, a, I've had a few pole positions there, which has been great. Um, and <clears throat> yeah, race wins are tough. You know, it can come down to the pits. You can have the perfect day and it can come down to the pits. You can um, make the slightest mistake and you never get it back because it's such a small lap and, and such a tight, um, you know, uh, field spread is, is quite small. So minimal mistakes, but um, yeah, it is one that when you do win, it's been great. And getting pole, there's a good feeling. It's a pretty cool feeling to nail that lap because it kind of has, although it's a small lap, has many challenges and to get it right is a, a great feeling. Uh, I, I actually love seeing Marcus back uh, at the track because <clears throat> when it comes to Tasmania, he is the icon. Um, when it comes to Australian motorsport, he's the icon. I, uh, in 2003, spent my first ever apprentice week as a driver um, with Marcus. I trained with him and he drove me around and, and taught me a lot. Um, and to be fair, he still does it today. He comes down and says hello, and he's very, his, his words are very powerful. So I love chatting to him, seeing him at track, because uh, um, you know, if I ask him a question, he gives me a great answer. So never, you know, I saw him in the dominant era, which was pretty special, and then see him in NASCAR. So to see him back at a track's cool. <clears throat> um, you know, Garth Tander, far out, we've ran into each other plenty of times. He's one of the hardest races you'll see. So another guy who probably, finished his career earlier than he should have. Um, and we see it at Bathurst every year, you know, he turns up and he's as fast as Shane. So 
very good driver. So pretty cool to see two iconic legends of the sport driving the future of our sport uh, in Tassie. So um, yeah, pretty cool to see. Yeah, I'm excited to drive it. I think, um, you know, with experience comes a lot of knowledge and I'm looking forward to contributing because the thing I love about this car next year is that it's a lot more equal, but once bits and components are finalised, they're on the car. So now's the important stage. This is when you want to hop in, give the right feedback, make sure they go with the right products because once you buy something, you're going to run it all year. So, um, yeah, I feel like my experience is valuable and I look forward to it. I think it's going to be a big day of doing laps and just feeling what the car's like, but um, end of the day, it's to benefit the sport and that's what I'm trying to do. Well, I think the good part, putting current drivers in, are the, are the re like we want to have the sport as good as possible. So when you drive it, you've got no hidden agenda to make the car suit you. It's about what's good for the sport because the things that, the feedback that you hear is that we want more passing, we want different race winners, we want it to be more equal um, and, you know, less error on that will, will contribute to better racing. So, but when you take things away, it's still got to be drivable, it's still got to sound good, it's still got to look good, it's still got to drive well. So, um, you know, for, from my point of view, I want to make the sport as good as possible because the bigger the sport is, the better everyone benefits from it and the more fun it is. So, um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it, playing a part and using my expertise or age or experience, whatever you call it, to, um, to good use. Our great friend and supporter Tom Archuli from Doric has once again caught up with Will Davison from DJR to talk about the upcoming weekend in Tassie. Round two of the 2022 Supercar Series heads to Tassie and joining me today is Doric Ambassador and driver for Shell Via Power Racing, Mr. Will Davison. Hello, Willie. Hello. Hello, Tommy. You almost forgot my name, did you? No, I was going to call you Mr. Tommy Archuli. Did you call me Mr. Willie Davison? <laughs> okay. Uh, I know you're a historian and man for your stats. How many races in the championship have been at S&P or Bathurst? How many? So we've obviously the five last six events have been S&P and Bathurst. So, so you've been there's been 13 races in New South Wales since the last race outside of New South Wales. Mm -hmm. uh, do you feel like the championship actually starts now? <laughs> uh, you are right it's been an unusual um unusual end to last year and and yeah to go straight back to to uh smp unexpectedly to start this year i think um yeah it was, was strange but i think we've all achieved what we needed as a category so i don't get too bogged down um it's been unusual times but there's always been a positive outlook on on this season ahead um knowing some normality is resuming and um, obviously Newcastle wasn't able to go ahead. They weren't able to commit to that, um, you know, back in January when the construction of the circuit needed to be commenced. Um, so yeah, back at Sydney again, and, um, that's done now. We've got that one event out of the year in Sydney and, uh, really excited to be venturing off to different States and circuits and, and, um, yeah, back to, back to what we, we all remember and know is, you know, going away for, only four or five days, not being away for six weeks and that huge variation in circuits again, which I'm, I'm looking forward to. So like, obviously like Bathurst is like, everyone looks forward to Bathurst every year. So now that you haven't done like a certain venue for a while, is there anything else you're actually looking forward to maybe this year? Uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the, yeah, the whole year in general. So um, to be honest, it's, um, you know, being at, 
the one circuit was bizarre, but um, still the intensity level was was extremely high. If anything, it was higher than I can ever remember. And I think that's because everyone was so in tune by the end with that circuit. Um, everyone had their cars dialed in. The drivers, you know, were, were right on top of the circuit and it was just hugely competitive. And every single weekend was was an unknown and um, a new opportunity and uh, it was quite a strange thing and uh, something we probably won't ever do again, um, fine-tuning those same corners, <laughs> the setup, And if anything, it was doing your head in, you know, because, um, you know, you still never felt like you nailed it and got it perfect. And um, so now, yeah, we, we go to yeah different, different demands and different circuits. And um, I'm certainly looking forward to that um, because there is a lot more to our championship than one circuit. And uh, often you know, the whole year is made up of minimising your bad days and maximising your really good days. And, and we all have, whether it be drivers or teams, we all have certain strengths and weaknesses. The general champion will, will be the one that is able to keep it relatively neutral in the middle and not fluctuate too much. So, um, yeah, looking forward to that challenge now and, uh, you know, maximising our good days and and hopefully, you know, you know, being right there in our bad days and, and that's a really big challenge. So, um, yeah, we, we, we kickstart that again this weekend and we'll see who can keep their consistent form up and, and who's just SMP specialists. And we know there'll be people that struggle at SMP that'll, you know, be strong at all these other circuits. But, um, yeah, back to only ever having one shot at that particular circuit, whether it's a good or a bad one for you. So last year, first uh, season DJR, you had two podiums at Simmons Plains. Uh, what are the chances of doing that again this weekend? Well, yeah, of course, the chances are, are, are you know, are really, really strong. We, we go there, um, you know, certainly um, full of um, belief that, you know, we, we're going to be right in the mix. So um, uh, respectful of the competition. It's not going to be easy. Um, it's only getting harder every single year. Uh, but, yeah, last year was was pretty good. You know, obviously, um you know, we both had two podiums um, out of the three races, Anton and I. And, yeah, we were really strong in race trim. Uh, probably weren't quite quick enough in qualifying speed. Um, but, you know, we've looked at what we did last year. It was obviously very early on in the piece for our time in the team. So, um, you know, we, we'd like to think we can be a bit stronger again this year, um, knowing the package and the car and, um, but we also know this, this, you know, this, this circuit does play, play itself into the hands of a couple of our main competitors that we know there's going to be some, some cars that are extremely strong and very, very well suited to that track. And, um, yeah, we've got to, we've got to do our best to, to make sure we're, we're, uh, we're on top of them this weekend. It's not going to be easy. We know that, but we also know we're going to be very strong. We know our car was very good on its tires last year. Uh, we're running a super soft compound tire all weekend. So yeah, that's, that's a different element for everyone this weekend, a big unknown two day event. So only limited practice before qualifying Saturday. So yeah, it's going to be pretty intense on Saturday and, um, you know, we'll try and make sure we qualify up on the front couple of rows, which isn't easy there. Um, it's so tight the field and, you know, I think we'll have a strong race car and hopefully we can really use our, you know, our strengths in race trim on this super soft tire. Yeah, so tr traditionally you've done quite well at Simmons Plains um, historically. So what what makes you go faster around that racetrack? 
Uh, yeah, I do. I do love. I, I love Simmons, but it's it's you know very very in, engineering specific. Um, you do need a, you know, a car that that makes lap speed in a very particular way. You spend such a large percentage of the lap on full throttle, and there's only really three corners to make up lap time. So it's a you know 51 second lap, and really 80 percent of it's on full throttle. So. Um, if you're quick in a straight line, you're, you're sort of three-quarter of the way there. Um, but then you obviously need a car that brakes extremely well. So having a car that's quick in a straight and braking well is, is hard to have both of them together. Um, so that's really what, what you need um, and a car that puts its power down well. But uh, as I said, everyone's through the first sector within hundreds of a second normally it's two corners it's always hard to make up a few hundreds there the hairpin you can really make up that crucial tenth or two and then the straight lines really the rest of the lap time so um sounds easy to make up a tenth or two but often you get maybe 10 cars separated by eight or nine hundredths of a second so uh yeah it is a frustrating track but if you've got a car that's that's making lap speed it makes your life much easier and um that's all the challenges we're faced with and track positions key and then yeah having a a good consistent race car and its tires is is certainly a really important element okay well thank you willie for that update uh wish you all the best this weekend and we'll see you soon all right that's the news let's get into the show there's more great motorsport stories coming next on the grid all right joining me for a chat richard crow good day to you hello tony shebecky how on earth are you I'm mighty fine, thank you, mate. Had a fantastic weekend down in Phillip Island. I'll talk, we? We'll talk about that very soon, I'm sure. It's how busy is it at the moment? Yeah. Isn't it just superb? It, it's quite funny, Mark Walker, as you join us. Good evening to you, our time. Good morning, wherever you might be listening to us, if it is morning in your area. Uh, everything seems to be coming back to normal. Massive crowds at Phillip Island last week for the, the Classic and pretty good crowds at Phillip Island this weekend for the uh, Shannons Nationals. I presume they're going to get great crowds down in Tassie this weekend. It just all seems to be coming back online. That was a bit all grown up for the Shannon's Motorsport Australia Championships, wasn't it? You know, you just look around in the paddock and everyone's got a B-double truck and there's no cars parked in the trailer parking and there were genuine punters there. And the punters are going, why isn't there a bar open or a big screen (laughs) or programs? Because we've got a lot of people here now. They Mm. probably need to start thinking about how they're going to look after them, which was Really cool to see because Phillip Island, as we know in supercars, it's a place that's sometimes hard to get people along to. But that crowd on the weekend, I'd say it was bigger than some of those V8 crowds we see. Oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. I, I reckon that Sunday crowd was was line ball with the last mm. supercar around there for sure. The, the only thing you didn't have was the camping that they they get a few of for the for the supercars. But, no, it was, it was genuinely an event. It, it felt like more than just a race meeting, didn't it? It actually felt like something relatively significant a great racing program the weather was extraordinary see first i time, wasn't lying i wasn't I'm, lying first no, time but, ever three consecutive great days in phillip island well but you we, we thought you would have absolutely screwed us by reporting <laughs> last week about how wonderful the historics were and that we'd get three days of torrential rain flooding potentially some yeah. a penguin invasion and all sorts of things but saturday was the nicest day i've ever seen at phillip island weather yeah. was it was amazing but oh, Genuinely it's a vote, vote one, vote one climate change, really, isn't oh, yeah. it? Well, if, if that's, that's what, if, if that's, that's the outcome, global warming, absolutely, <laughs> it's fantastic. The, the, the indication of how big the crowd was, and, and people will know this who have been to Phillip Island, was that on the front straight, the crowd was from the final turn at the top mm. of the straight all the way down 
the cars were parked all the way down to halfway down the shed, which mm. is a great sign. Cars are plenty around through Siberia, and then back up, back up the top of Lukey. It was absolutely packed with cars. That's always a great sign that there's a good crowd. The the thing for mine, when you know you've got a good Phillip Island crowd, is when you've got punters around what used to be called Belinda's Terrace, which I understand was a former Phillip Island uh, gentleman's club, uh, which is turn 11 to turn 12. But that, that is actually what that part of the road was called. Um, when you've got punters around there, you generally know it's a good crowd because the usual congregation points, the run down to turn one, uh, hay sheds, and then inside of MG, sort of top of Lukey Heights. But when they're spread all the way around the circuit, and they were, yeah, it was really good. And, mm. and generally good weekend of racing, not filled with safety cars, not filled with red flags. What recoveries there were were quick and quite well done. Yeah, terrific weekend. Really thoroughly enjoyed it. Good to see Fabian Coulthard finally learn how to drive a front-wheel drive car. He Take him very long, <laughs> had a pretty it? good weekend. Didn't take him very long. No, one yeah, Impressive stuff. Wall Racing's got the Honda switched on in TCR. She's a good little championship this year, isn't it, boys? Like, mm. there's some real feisty stuff over the first two rounds. Quite a bit of door bashing. Jordan Cox, Jay Hansen. That was pretty wild in the final race. Mm. Um, yeah, like, all the way through the field, there's some legitimately good storylines and some good elbows out motor racing in TCR this year. I like it. You know what? For mine, the highlight of the weekend had to be the Formula Fords. Oh, they were incredible. That was as good as Formula Ford has ever been. Is race two has to be one of the better motor races ever. Ever. <laughs> and and the great thing was it was live on stand. Yeah, the, the one good, so the, the good people race, that saw yeah. it got yeah. to see it. But no, you're right. It was amazing racing. They used the drafting and the the uh, the slipstream perfectly. Uh, I mean, the the lead changed every lap, didn't it? Mm. Uh, as blokes were coming down the straight with the Studi and uh, Physic as well, just changing that lead all the time. It was it was, it was spectacular racing. Uh, admittedly, the boys got a bit of a kick up the bum after uh, Sandown, mm. which saw them have uh, no race on the Saturday race one because they didn't get enough laps in, and then safety car uh, inclusions again on on the Sunday for the two races there. So, yeah, it was uh, it was great to see that the boys reacted the way they did. I spoke to Stephen Richards, who's admittedly got some skin in the game with his son, Clay, doing a really nice job aboard their car, backed by Shannon's, as he's yep. customary for a for a Richards in motorsport. Uh, and, and he said it, it's a great thing to see Formula Ford back at a national level, where it should be after several years in the wilderness, floating around between different sanctioning bodies and being argued over as a, a bit of a... Uh, a whipping boy, I suppose, in Australian open wheel racing. Great to see it back at a national level. But he said the best thing about it is that it's on a program with some profile, but it, without all of the extreme costs that Formula Ford had mm. at the at the end of its, I don't know what you call it, its last era when it was still on the supercar program. And it became outrageously expensive to mm. run Formula Ford. So they've been able to pull the costs back, but still run it decent events with a TV package and with decent attendance and things like that. So it's a bit of best of both worlds for the competitors and drivers involved. And if it gets a, a Richard's blessing, then that's a pretty decent yeah. thing for mine. But it's got what Formula Ford was missing at the end of that, that era, 2012, 2013, where you had your Sonics and your Mike Ballins turn up with a big team. But mm. then you've got Steve Richards turns up with one car operation and all these just homegrown teams that weren't around at the end of that period, but they're competitive. They can yep. wheel out there and a car that's not necessarily brand new and it can be very fast, which is great to see. 
I'll tell you what, it's also just turning into a great weekend for dad and son racing. There's a lot mm. of teams that have got dads who are looking after the cars for their sons, working with bigger teams such as Borland and, uh, and, and Sonic and the like. But they're just getting in there. They've, they've worked with their kids through karting, and now they're going into Formula Ford and continuing that association. As a dad, I know what it's like to, to play sport with your kids, and it's fun. Is it just me, or and it may be that we just had two years of nothing happening, but I feel real old this year because all of a sudden it seems like there's this massive array of second or third generation drivers through amazing, every category. They are bloody everywhere, and they're all babies. Like yeah. it's just it's it's really strange when you when you go through and you've worked with their dad. And their dad's not too dissimilar in age to you, and their kids are going car racing. Yeah, <laughs> makes oh man, feel feel uh, yeah, real old. But but it's, but they, it's great. They're competent too. Yeah, oh, they're 100%. good steerers. They've they've yep. lived the dream all their life, and then yep. now they're finally getting a chance. I mean, you just look at the TA two field there with Morrison Johnson whatnot bashing Price. around. Yeah. That was some. Uh, feisty racing over the weekend. I think that last race was probably just a little bit too long. They just sort of ran out of tyres and ran out of steam a bit there. It sort of dragged on a little bit. But mm -hmm. for the most part, that was absolutely ripping. The great news about that father-son combination is the fact that there was a father-son combination that won on the weekend. Valentino Asuti getting his first pole position in Formula Ford and three race wins. We'll be talking to them next weekend. Uh, next week, I should say, about that effort as well. But, boys, joining us now, the big story that came out of the weekend, forget motor racing, Formula One, Shannon's, whatever it was. The big story was over in South Australia, and it was a change of government, which saw the Libs out, Labor in, <laughs> and two and a half million motor racing fans jumping for joy <laughs> because it means the Adelaide 500 is back, Crowsey. It's coming home, Shebex. It's coming home. <laughs> Best news you could ever have. Yeah, a huge South Australian election that was over a lot earlier than most people expected it to be. And uh, one person who's had a, a significantly vested interest in this since the race was boned uh, mid-2020 at the peak of the COVID-19 pandemic has been the most fierce advocate for its return is Walkinshaw Andretti United driver Nick Perkett. He joins us on the grid. Nick, pretty good day Saturday night, wasn't it? Hey boys, how are we going? Um, yeah, it was it was very um, a little bit surreal. Uh, mm -hmm. I was trying to distract myself. I knew it was happening. Um, my girlfriend Bailey kept saying, "Why are you checking your phone all the time?" Um, <laughs> and I was actually check uh, texting um, Nathan, who obviously used to be have a huge involvement in running the Adelaide Five Hundred, and he was keeping me up to up to speed. And then I was also texting um, Shane Howard, CEO of supercars it lives about a street away from me and we're trying not to get too excited um early on and then uh, obviously the further it got into the night we kind of realized what was happening and we were just like this is actually unbelievable and um straight away my phone lit up with a bunch of journos in adelaide wanting comment which was a bit of a laugh but uh yeah it was a very cool night the funny thing about it was it was over so early and i think it was about 8 30 or nine o'clock that the current premier uh, admitted defeat, so that was fantastic news in that regard. Nick, I'm not sure whether you know the answer to this or not, but there was talk that even if the Libs had won, that there was a possibility the race was going to return still this year anyway. Were you aware of that? Yeah, I got wind of that or oh, maybe a month ago that um, Stephen Marshall was kind of knew the race had to come back but couldn't say it before the election because it probably would have 
sunk what he yeah. had left. Um, yeah, for the there is a there is a very small community in Adelaide City there that yeah they they legitimately don't like the race. <laughs> it disrupts what they're up to. They've been there for fifty years. It's their, their little piece of the world that they love, and I get that. But uh, um, yeah, apparently that was the plan. He was going to potentially float the idea that it was going to come back. One thing I like about this whole moving it to the end of the year is that you get a bit of clear air about that March madness in Adelaide that often comes down with the Fringe Festival and all the different festivals going on. So it'll be nice and accessible for all the punters who want to turn up there and see some V8s and some concerts. Yeah, 100%. It's, um, I think it's really cool. You know, Obviously, originally being the first event of the year was always very exciting, new New cars, drivers in different teams and all that kind of thing. But this is, you know, we're going widening it back to F1, you know, where we used to end mm. the championship um, in spectacular fashion. Um, it comes into, yeah, that Christmas period where obviously probably people are a bit more flexible to travel around and move around the country and plan their holidays and all that kind of thing. And then obviously for Adelaide or South Australia, it's great because they have Foot Out Under, Fringe Festival, um, tail and bend during the year as well with the supercars and you know Shannon's Nationals and all those types of events and then obviously with us um, ending the year in December I think you know there's a little bit of chat that they might bring that motorsport festival back yeah about yeah, the I week before I think, it's on. Yes. I think it's we're on, on. Mm-hmm. so it's going to be two weeks of um, amazing motorsport in South Australia which I think you know we all say well especially me and Crowley, we all say that South Australia is the home of motorsport it's you know, for the amount of drivers that have come out of South Australia and, you know, it's very hard to make it into supercars. Yeah. We have a lot going on there, which is yeah. very cool. Um, yeah. And for me, you know, everyone I've spoken to this week in media or personally, it's like the reason I wanted to become a supercar driver was because of the Adelaide 500. Um, that's where the dream started. Um, and then now the kids are so lucky. They, they still have the, the go-kart track that I grew up driving around, Bolivar, but now they have Tail and Bend. Of Malalar, which has just done a little go-kart track, I think I saw. They have, yeah. Um, and then obviously they have the bend and everything up there. So it's actually a pretty good hub for a young racing car driver to, you know, kind of get into the sport through kind of seeing it, the the dreams Im- implemented in your head and then starting karting and then hopefully you progress through. So it's I think it's pretty cool and exciting for the state. Mate, my worst nightmare is a podcast about politics, but it's worth touching on Peter Malinowskis and and you've had a quite a bit to do with him in this process and the whole Save the Adelaide 500 campaign. And they've bought yourself and Slady and Hazelwood and Scott Pye and the, the South Australian drivers you mentioned over for various events. I know there was one a couple of weeks ago over here, which was well attended. Uh, what What's he like as a man and, and what sort of a, a leader do you think he's going to be for South Australia? Yeah, it was very cool the way straight away the the night it was announced that it was got it had been axed. You know, I had phone calls from people in his team. You know, I just call it a team, the Liberal, uh, the Labor Party. Sorry, and they they're like, if we do something here, do you want to be involved? Mm. And I was like, absolutely. So that was the first big tick that was like they could see the value of having the the event on. And then yeah, it took a little bit to get a few of the other boys involved, just because I think. It's pretty big just to go up and go, hey, Steve Marshall is wrong. You know, mm-hmm. like you got to <laughs> have a fair yeah. crack at it. And, yes. um, but by the end, it was, it was awesome. You know, obviously the last event we had Scotty Pye with us, uh, Todd Hazelwood. Slady couldn't make it, but his car was there on show. And um, Slady had been to a few others during the year. 
earlier in the year. So it was, um, I just think it was pretty amazing the way they went about it. And then the, I've been, I don't know, I haven't met many politicians. I've met Stephen Marshall back in Adelaide 500 when he was all about it. But, um, mm. you know, it's Peter's pretty enthusiastic and he wants the event to be huge and great for the state. And he wants the, the numbers coming back into the state, however they get there plane drive bloody boat from tasmania whatever it is they want everyone there for that event to showcase south australia so that's been pretty cool to watch and then i don't know i've got so weirdly i know but a few more of his like kind of promises now policies about you know the hospitals and not mm. spending money here and there and kind of making the it feels like well he sold me <laughs> he's, yeah. uh, he's um feels like he's trying to make a, a difference but you know actions speak louder than words and the first big tick is getting this event off the ground because he's got a bit of work to do between now and December. Now, I understand that you've talked about it a million times before. 2016, Adelaide 500, Sunday winner. But my indelible memory from that weekend personally was on the Saturday when your car was parked on the side <laughs> of the road at 10-1 and your crew were running down the track no, being shooed off by the... <laughs> and uh, you went the other way, yeah. They, they managed to get it going just as you walked off. Um the turnaround of emotions there from absolute zero to hero. What a weekend. Yeah, it was um it was a bit of a crazy weekend that one. We even the way we ended up with SP tools and stuff on the car to lead in, it was all pretty frantic and it was um good for Lucas to have two cars with the same branding and stuff like that. But then yeah, bit of a disaster Saturday. You never want the first off the bonnet flew up as I exited pit lane and destroyed like the hinges and I was like, Well that's not ideal. <laughs> and then while that was happening, the battery failed. <laughs> so then that's why I parked on the side of the road because for whatever reason, the battery was powering the radio to talk back to the team. So I was, I didn't know if I was getting my message. I couldn't hear anything that I was saying. And I'm like, I don't know. I'm kind of like parked up here on the inside of turn one, two. Don't think they're really going to come back. You know what? <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> like, um, uh, yeah, it was probably not the best um thought process but you know it was a bit of a tough little slog there with um lucas and his team for a bit so i thought how are we going to randomly get this car going on the side of the track um so yeah i legged it through back to the pits and got changed and looked at the monitor and i was like ah the boys have <laughs> run about a kilometer because we we're the first garage at, yeah. at the track um yeah so it took a bit but uh yeah what a change sunday obviously it rained i think we qualified okay for you know what we were mm. doing um and then yeah conveniently the car used the mapping and the engine whatever was going on it just used a bucket load of fuel during the race and <laughs> it was also you know up that red flag and i think i was third on road behind scotty and lounge they didn't drive away from me i knew i didn't have to race them i was just sitting there watching like it was just like heck cool was this show i'm watching lounge and scotty and go hammer and tong and the car was crazy fast i just kind of drove around and we're able to keep putting fuel in it and stuff like that. So it was, um, yeah, it was a crazy day. And then I think who was it on Twitter saying that we'll start a party for Sunday night? That Sunday night was huge. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. That was me, mate. I, I yep. put up the, the after parties at your house. I think yep. like, your folks might get an impromptu after party Sunday night, yeah. December 4 this year. It was, um, so that was wild enough it was, as it was. I got home and I just remember I had to be back at pit lane in pit lane for the sunrise cross with the trophy. And I walked into the hotel. I was 
barely lit up, obviously still. Because <laughs> I don't know what, it was like 6am. I've just strolled on in. I'm, I looked at my phone. I'm like, oh my God, I have like 40 minutes to get back. I can't drive. I, don't, I just literally grabbed the trophy and I ran from like <laughs> near um, Adelaide Motors BMW mm-hmm. with this trophy to pit lane. <laughs> just, I didn't know. I was just, it's it's 1.6Ks across from West Terrace to East Terrace. That's a plus, great story. Plus another 600 metres. <laughs> in my jeans and LDM, like SB Tools Racing, bloody team top with this big gold trophy. Because I actually didn't know what to do. I'm like, well, I had too many drinks. I can't just drive. <laughs> so I'm late. That's funny. I didn't have the scooters back then. <laughs> so <laughs> off we went. We just ran it across the parklands and everything and just rocked up like a mess. So it was, you know, all fitting towards that, you know, what that event is. <laughs> and I know you won't be surprised to know you're probably not the first person to turn up not feeling the best at a sunrise cross on a Monday morning. Yeah, but at least they're normally there. Um, the media or the PR don't get as bad as the driver and they get you there. But we're just all that excited. The whole team was done. <laughs> Hey, mate, uh, I'm good. I, I know Andrew Westacott quite well. Do you guys need some infrastructure over there? Can you sell everything? What's happened? From what I know, Crowsley probably knows more, but it looks like they sold just random bits and pieces of old okay. junk, to be honest. Like the, the start lights, they're that mm. out of date anyway. It needed to be updated moving forward. Um, and I think they're trying to figure out a way to move like barriers and all the parts to make a street track work. They're trying to like yeah. create a system where you know Townsville has it, then Gold Coast has it, then Adelaide has it, and trying to I think that's what the plan is to try and come up with a system where it's cheaper for everyone. My understanding is, and I only learned this yesterday, that the pit building was sold, Ooh. but two weeks ago the sale fell through. Amazing. So it's currently still owned by the South Australian <laughs> government. I can't so, believe you, I can't believe your sale fell through there, Richard. Yeah, well, look, I, I needed somewhere to <laughs> store all my rusty old Holdens and my old nine four four. But you know, anyway, unfortunately, we couldn't do a deal, so I was going to build it in the main street of Lindock. But um, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that my my understanding is is that 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 building is still owned by the government, and that's the big yeah big okay. piece of infrastructure yeah. they need to run it. So well, they're talking about. Up until that, because I was in Adelaide, what, a month ago now, mm. for that last campaign one, um, and they were talking about just doing a kind of like um, the Grand Prix for the supercar pit end, the temporary yep. one, which still can have corporate on top and all that yep. jazz, but obviously sounds a bit easier if they've still got the yeah the that's infrastructure there. Not 100% confirmed, obviously, but that's, that's the word that uh, is on the street at the moment. Uh, we should talk about your current supercars campaign that will hopefully culminate in you battling for a championship potentially at... The return of the Adelaide 500 in December. Uh, round one, how do you summarise your first round back with uh, WAU? Yeah, I think it's hard. You know, obviously everyone looks in and it's like, oh, that wasn't great. But, you know, we're obviously seeing the data and everything that's going on in the background. And, you know, to be blatantly honest, we didn't have the, the best of test day at Winton. So I wasn't quite happy with where we left there on my side of the garage. Um, just some... You know, nothing major, but it couldn't get the balance feel that I wanted from the car there. And um, this is the best thing with this team. You know, at the end of the day, they just threw me in Chaz's car with my tires and said, have a quick skid. And I'm like, oh, this is exactly what I expected. So then they went back to the workshop and, you know, rectified a few bits and pieces of my car, which were tiny little things, but, you know, make a big difference. So then I felt like a little bit on the back foot when I got to SMP and obviously crazy changing track conditions and, and stuff like that. And I think, I was probably a little bit caught out with the way this car 
generates its front grip compared to my previous car. So the BJR car in changing conditions, slicks on a damp track is like easy to drive, mm. makes a lot of grip for whatever reason. And you generally feel like a bit of a hero. <laughs> like I, we used to always say, if it's damp, puts like we're on. Yeah. You know, and this car just builds a grip a little bit differently. So too many mistakes from my end, um, which was a bit frustrating for me because I try and pride myself on not doing that so much anymore. So, you know, on the mistake side, I'd say, you know, it was a D minus in the, the field of that side of things. But then on the flip side, there's a few laps in there that, you know, if I just finished them and or didn't catch the water in the wrong spot or, you know, bloody hell, there's, everyone has excuses. But a lot of those sessions were lining up alongside Chaz. You know, up to turn eight, there's only two corners to go. We were within half a tenth. So it was just probably a little bit of impatience in a few spots on the track and it made it look quite bad. But I felt like I made it up for that a little bit on the Saturday night. And I think if it was later in the year, I would have cleared Brody quite easily. I was quite nice to him and Brody's not nice back generally, but you know, he, <laughs> he raced hard, you know, he's in the same team, same car. And I just didn't want to come back with damage. So mm. I was probably a bit too kind for him. And I think if I cleared him, I would have been just, you know, just behind Chaz there. So Saturday I thought it was good. And then Sunday, Everything went wrong, you know, mistake in qualifying, um, just a silly racing accident with Scotty Pye where it just interlocked the wheels. We came off turn six heading up to Corporate Hill. We're both just driving straight, I assume, <laughs> and it just interlocked the front wheel and it just broke the steering arm. And that was it. Like we didn't actually have a crash into each other. And there was no racing hard. He was wounded and going backwards and I was just coming through. So kind of what you saw with the TCR car with uh, Hanson on the weekend when he was passing yeah. Cox. I wasn't actually clearing him with that different speed, but we're just wheel to wheel, front wheel to front wheel, and it just touched, broke the rim, broke the steering arm, and then I obviously looked like I've speared into the fence, but um, no, I just had no steering. Um, I just kind of stopped there, so that was frustrating, and then on the way home, the Uber broke down, so, you know. (laughs) What else is there left on Sunday? No no stars. (laughs) No, so we went went out and went 10-pin bowling with um, Chaz and Ryan and a bunch of us, and on the way home, myself, Ryan, and his girlfriend, Haley, and my girlfriend, Bailey. It's a bit confusing. Um, all driving home in torrential rain on the Sunday night. Next thing, old mate gets like a instant flat tire. The tire's off the rim, basically. And we're standing in the side of the road about 12 in the morning, 1 a.m. saying, cool. <laughs> right. Getting soaked. <laughs> so, yeah, that just kind of sums up the Sunday. <laughs> the good news for the team, though, is that uh, Chaz did have a win, and he seems to be winning pretty well, actually. He had a, a win on the weekend also in GT, so he's got a bit of uh, confidence about him, which will be great for you and the team. Yeah, 100%. It's, it was really good to – I've never ex- experienced before where, obviously, Saturday – I was happy with my result from where we came from on the grid um, and strategy. It was great. Chaz on the podium. Sweet. And the next day, you know, normally, you know, during that safety car restart, when me and myself and Chaz were line astern, they literally said, you boys have so much fuel over everyone. Like, you just need to get us to the next pit stop and you're just going to pop out first and second. There's no drama. And I was like, oh, that's cool. <laughs> so then obviously for it to go a bit pear-shaped on my side, but to get out at the end of the day and go far out, like, this is a weak track for our team. We don't traditionally like going there, the, the, the Walkinshaw boys. So it was like, yeah, okay. I'm actually not, I'm a little bit frustrated and disappointed, but I'm not angry or anything. It was like, oh, once we get to Tassie, I'll just, I get another shot at a podium. You know, mm-hmm. there's the car, I feel the momentum and the, 
the vibe in the team is very, very good. And um, it was just like, oh, that's a bit, that's frustrating. But you know what? We're going to go racing in two weeks' time and I think we're going to have another crack at a trophy. So it's a very bit different mindset to what I'm used to where I felt like with BJR, it's no disrespect to them, but we had our tracks that were good. And if something didn't go to plan or we got taken out or crashed into, you were just, we we're all raging because it was like, that was our shot where this feels like each weekend is going to be my shot. So um, as a team, that's awesome. And I think Chaz, you know, he's driving extremely well. I feel like he's in a little bit of a purple patch. I told the team, or I told Bruce before round one, I was like, I think you haven't realized what's going on with Chaz and, and Debore because I've come in and I've never seen anything like this. So um, I'm like, strap yourself in. I think we're going to be in for a good year. So <laughs> um, obviously, yeah, everything he touches at the moment turns to gold and he was even good at bowling bloody after SMP. So <laughs> he's... Um, so yeah, annoying. It's um, <laughs> it's exciting that the team has gone that direction, and you know, hopefully we continue that way. And for me, it's about you know when he's developed that car and driving at the level he is. If I can, I just want to be there close. I don't expect to be beating him at this point. It's about banking good points, being on the podium when I can. If I can pick up a race win when I can, that's awesome. But um, yeah, he's definitely the man at the front line at the moment, which is uh, pretty cool. So coming into this weekend, everyone thinks, oh, Simmons Plains, triple eight track. The most recent mm. race winner there is Chaz. Yeah, no, the bandit won by like 10 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and this weekend, you're running the super softs down there. How do you yep. see it all playing out? Like, is your feedback compatible with Chaz? Like, whereabouts are you at with that sort of thing? Um, yeah, so a bit like um, how everyone thought we're going to be like real enemies. We've actually turned out to be really good friends. Mm. And Ryan thinks that he's like, you two... Like, what, how has this happened? Can't separate you. And then it turns out the way we set up the car has been very similar too. So um, we had the same strengths and weaknesses. And the only thing we did different because we, we rolled there with identical cars and I think we finished Friday, third and fourth. And then from then on, we went, Chaz is going to attack the issue this way or Adam is and myself and Jeff are going to attack it this way. For us, it was more off of my side and Jeff's side. It was about actually learning the car and building the knowledge because um, if we did the same as them, we don't know what the other solution is. So it was like, you know what? We'll just do it this way. It might not be as good or it might be better, but we just want to build our knowledge of the car and what the way it reacts. Um, so yeah, we head to Simmons Plains on a, you know, the cars will just roll out identical again because that's the way they finished. Honestly, that was so close. It was within absolutely F all of spring rates and of rear spring rate. I think it was like the way I was trying to get a bit of balance back and that was um really good to see i haven't had that with a teammate before um so we'll see you know another weekend at simmons plains different track i expect it to go the same direction to be on like the same path between the two of us and yeah the super soft was pretty cool to drive on at smp obviously we, it felt amazing but no one pushed the tire like yeah we were like three seconds four seconds away from what you would expect to do in qualifying i guess on a dry track um, so the deg actually looked pretty good in Sydney. You know, we could drive it not hard, but you know, you could drive it at a fair pace and look after the tire. It had a lot of grip. Felt like it put on some pretty good racing. So I think Simmons Plains is a few more proper stop-start corners. You know, like where you actually need traction. Where Sydney can flow the car and not use the rear tire much. Where this place just off turn two, off the bumps. You know, it's going to flare the rear tire up off the hairpin. Obviously, the last corner. So I think the deg will be a lot bigger, but so far it was a pretty enjoyable tire to drive. So yeah, it'll be interesting in qualifying to see 
what cars kind of react well with it. So, oh, yeah. You're right? Mate, I was just going to thank you for being on board, but you were still going, so apologies for that. <laughs> I will do that now then. Yeah. <laughs> Good podcasting. <laughs> uh, Nick, thank you from all Supercar fans for whatever little role you may have played in ensuring that the Adelaide 500 came back onto our calendar. We uh, really look forward to getting down there at the end of the year. Congratulations on how the year started for you at WAU and uh, may just get bigger and better. No worries. Thank you. Thank you for having me. We're uh, going to have to get you to rewrite the Ford to the Adelaide 500 book, mate. I was talking to Noonan about the weekend. It it's, uh, doesn't make sense anymore. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How good. That can be fixed. Nick Perkett joining us here on The Grid. You're listening to the latest from around the motorsport world. On The Grid. Fantastic to have Nick Perkett on for a chat, boys. He's just hes so accommodating, isn't he? Yeah. He's, he's become a properly good chat, has Nick, hasn't he? And uh, just relaxed, chilled out, comfortable with his place in the world and from a, a career standpoint and gives you stories. You never expected that yarn about running whilst probably still drunk to the celebrations for a sunrise cross the Sunday morning, uh, the Monday morning after the... 2016 Adelaide 500 is a terrific one. That's uh, that's very Nick Perkett. I like that. Yeah, no, that's great. But look, to it honestly, well, to his credit, the first person I got a text message from from the South Australian Mafia on Sunday night was Nick Perkett. It properly engaged in bringing back that car race. Yeah, and uh, I absolutely love it. Tremendous. Well, you're not going to have to heritage list that racetrack now. No, no, I know, which is it's also okay, though. which is also great. My little movement, little, it got some groundswell there, which was quite nice. Um, I'd still it, think so, it saved you some paperwork. Put the did, race back 100 percent. But uh, yeah, I'd, you don't want to. Got to be careful now because if your heritage list things, you can't change them. That's a good point. And to be fair, that joint needs a resurface, so <laughs> it's probably time they put some new bitumen down because it's been the same stuff since day dot of the five hundred. But uh, uh, anyway. It's good. It doesn't don't need to worry about that now. But final word on that, though. That That is a huge result for supercars. Yep. They will be so relieved that that is back. And, and they can now plan ahead with where their calendar is going to go. Newcastle won't run this year. It'll be the opening round next year. They can fill all their holes. They can get it all sorted. And they can finish with an absolute bang. Because I think we all agree that finishing and starting on a high after Sydney, which was flat as a tack, as Nick said, yeah. um, finishing and starting on a high is so important. And a championship that starts at, at Newey and finishes in Adelaide is going to be pretty spectacular. No doubt about it. Uh, final word, anyone on Tassie? Uh, well, it's sort of yeah, the soft tyre stuff Nick brought up is interesting and, and it'll be interesting to see how that plays out down there. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing the form guide and, and whether it is similar to Sydney Motorsport Park or not. And, you know, the most recent winner down there is Chaz Mostert. So it's obvious to go in thinking that WAU is going to be very, very competitive, but it is a triple eight racetrack. So they've got such an impressive record there and uh, their customer cars too, over the years have had a really strong run. Remember Jacques Lebrock in a, a couple of years ago in yeah. the Technomobile and to drag a result out of that thing was impressive down there. So yeah, it's uh, it'll be a really interesting weekend. And and the other thing for mine is is pressure is on Tickford. They have to deliver a race result uh, because that start to the year for them was appalling, and they really need to lift. Yeah, the stats aren't really good down there for them. No, Pam Waters not. had two poles last year and two fourth place finishes that resulted from them because they had no 
race pace and he's never had a podium there so they need to figure that out very very quickly um the one thing that is missing from triple eight is of course jamie Winkup. he's had 13 wins down there which uh he isn't bringing to the party and he was a race winner there last year so they're sort of going in there with a bit of a one car attack you know van giz has got three races to to win to keep uphold the honor there so it'll be interesting to see how that plays out i think it's going to be a good weekend before we let you go, Mark and Richard, please jump in as well. Uh, Scotty McLaughlin nearly made it two oh. from two. My goodness, that was a close finish. Oh, man. The, the lap traffic in IndyCar, it giveth and it taketh away. Um, kind of worked for him at Sir Pete, but uh, just caught him out a little bit at Texas on the Super Speedway and uh, had his pockets picked by Joseph Newgarden on the run to the line. But he can't be disappointed too much. Uh, and he was bitterly disappointed for losing the race but he leads the championship he's had a first and a second uh on a street course and a super speedway like i know we're only two races in out of 17 but it's got title contender written all over it early days but the 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 fact he backed up a street circuit pace on a super speedway was really impressive and they Mm. move off to long beach and alabama were two tracks where he should be really strong as well so yeah, what a cool race, though. Really good finish, and um, well done to, to Joseph Newgarden. Penske's 600th win, by the way. That's an amazing number. Remarkable. Yeah. yeah, Penske Chevrolet seems to be a good thing to have this year, which is good for our Scotty heading into the Indy 500. Good race. Uh, every weekend that you, you tweet, real deal, Scott McLaughlin, it's great, isn't it? And mm-hmm. he's leading the championship and, and extending it, which is great. Mm. It certainly is. Uh, and let's also talk about NASCARs as well, boys. Uh, wild weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. They reconfigured it with a big high banking and it just played out like a Daytona or a Talladega. It was absolutely super speedway spec with the you know low horsepower package and yellow lines coming into play and everyone crashing in big ones, which was pretty huge. But uh, William Byron somehow held on for the win there, which was uh, cool. Great finish there as well. Big what up after the line. Uh, you know, Bubba Wallace was right in there. Whole heap of outside shots that are good at the super speedways that nearly came through i think opinions a bit divided was it good was it bad i loved it i mean i i don't mind a bit of super speedway action and it's entertainment it's not pure racing nascar really isn't these days with the plate races and dirt on bristol and all the road courses it's not fair anymore it's it's a bit all over the shop it's built for Mm. entertainment and that show at atlanta on the weekend was definitely pretty entertaining Hendrick Motorsport in great form, aren't they? Three of their four drivers already have won this year, I think, haven't they? It's... And, and Chase Elliott uh, going into second of the Americas next weekend where he's probably going to win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really impressive in Chevy, strong. Toyota's nowhere. I think it's the, the underlining yeah. story uh, with, with the new NASCAR. So that's a, that's a big yarn and no Kyle Busch wins, thankfully, this year, which is a great thing. If you don't like Kyle Bush, oh, so much salt. <laughs> <laughs> no, he's good for the sport. I love it. Gee, Bring boys, the before we go, in. actually, we should talk some Formula One too. What yeah. a fantastic and amazing! Yeah, oh, so much happening. It's uh, only the opening round of the, the World season. Championship. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The Bahrain Grand Prix was uh, was a beauty. Very competitive stuff uh, between Red Bull and Ferrari, and great to see the Scuderia back on top in Formula One. Great win by Charles Leclerc. If the future in this new era of Formula One is what lap 17 to lap 20 of uh, Charles Leclerc and Max Verstappen carving each other up, then I'm here for that because it was a tremendous bit of motor racing. And um, yeah, generally interesting race. And then it all blew up in the last five laps, especially if you're Max Verstappen, when it really blew up in the last five laps and what an implosion. And 
Gee, the uh, outpouring of sympathy for them on social media. Oh, no, no sympathy is not what I mean, is it? Uh, from a lot of Formula One fans was pretty interesting to see over the last few days. But cracking start to the World Championship. What do you reckon, Mercedes? Are they going to figure it out? They have to, oh, don't they? they? Will. Yeah, of they, will. they will. The, yeah. the only... The only asterisk you put on that is the fact they're operating to a budget cap this year and that the era of throwing unobtainium amounts of money at upgrades to bring to every race is gone. So they'll be a bit more strategic about it. But yeah, there's no doubt they'll get it close to the money. It's already a, it's a, well, it's a car that sits behind the two Ferraris and the two Red Bulls. I'm sure they'll get it up to that pace, especially but, with those two drivers. Yeah. But I mean, they've got a bit of budget left from their side pods that they didn't use. Well, exactly right. Free space, isn't it? <laughs> but really, really good race. Uh, lots of in the midfield's pretty feisty. How about Haas? What a story. <gasps> what a great. story that is. They're third in the world championship, boys. <laughs> yeah. Crazy. <laughs> so they lost their sponsor, got rid of their driver. Because of the Russia thing, and uh, re-signed Kevin Magnuson. The best tweet I saw on the weekend was from one of the the media core in the IMSA sports car paddock, and he said, "A month ago, I was in the line at an empty Sebring during testing for IMSA. I was in the line at the cafe for food with Kevin Magnuson, and now he's gone and finished in the top five in a Grand Prix. How funny the world works!" Well, Drive to Survive next is going to have happy swears from Gunter, which yeah. will be lovely <laughs> yes, for the first time ever. Yeah, exactly. But some good performances. Uh, I, I took- can I just say, uh, Ferrari have brought back the old adage that if your car looks good, it's going to go good. I, I, I can safely say that that Ferrari is the best-looking car in the field by far. It's a pretty good-looking field, though, Shebex. I agree. I'm, I'm, I think we talked about it this is, last week. I like the dark red. It is the Miss World of Supermodels, this F1 field, in regards to the, the good looks. It is a good-looking field, no doubt, no doubt. No, good stuff. Uh, and while while we talk about F1, Albert Park sold out Sunday, sold out Saturday, Saturday now as I well. Know. So both days, 140,000 people. That is going to be mind-blowing. Yeah. Bring and the, you know what? That, that actually bodes well for the Adelaide 500 because people have actually missed motor racing yeah. oh, and they've yeah. come back to – the Grand Prix in big numbers, and they'll do exactly the same in Adelaide. They'll get some great crowds down there at the end of the year. Which I think is part of the thing that we had at Philip Island on the weekend. And actually, yes. shout out to friend of the show, Sean, who came and introduced himself. Great to meet our listener. It's great to put a face to the download, which is great to meet you out there, Sean. <laughs> yes. What did actually, he say? What, what did he say about the podcast? Oh, it's something about it. it's the greatest podcast that's ever happened in the history of podcasting. I mean, clearly. I mean, Factual. Factual. Yeah. Thank you, Sean. We appreciate that. Mm, yeah, we do. I'm just wondering whether he's actually listening to us or not. <laughs> Tuned out by now, yeah, for sure. <laughs> Catch you guys later. Bye for now. See ya. And thank you for joining us right here on The Grid.